It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Notre Dame is rolling right now on the recruiting trail, and this class of 2025 could end up being Marcus Freeman's best class yet. It's coming right up. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Monday, February 19th, so thank you for getting your week started right here by making this your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Tyler Wojak. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018, and now I'm a producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And this show is free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So if you're watching along on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. Or if you're on the go and listening to the podcast, please take a moment to rate the show five stars, leave a review, and of course, subscribe there as well. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs is finding the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown. College terms and conditions apply. We've got Lockdown's very own recruiting insider, Brian Smith, back on the show today to do another deep dive into Notre Dame's class of 2025, which we believe could end up being Marcus Freeman's best class and maybe one of the best recruiting classes Notre Dame has had in a really long time. Now, full disclosure, we taped this interview at the end of last week. So this was before Sean Terry, the three-star wide receiver out of Ohio, announced his commitment to the Irish. So that is why we don't bring him up. This was also before it was announced that Al Golden signed his four-year contract extension and what impact that could have on the recruiting trail. So I'll get to all of that later this week. But for today, let's bring in Brian. Locked On Recruiting Insider Brian Smith is back with me here. And Brian, a lot has happened since the last time you and I spoke. Notre Dame lost a commitment in C.J. May, but they added two more in four-star offensive tackle Owen Straybig and three-star wide receiver Elijah Burris, which brings them to 15 total, and there might be more on the way soon. So as we look at this class, how do you think it's going to finish relative to Marcus Freeman's other classes since he took over as head coach? I think it will be one of the most balanced. It will have, as we'll get into this momentarily, it'll be his best DB class, quite possibly. And matter of fact, it almost is going to be locked to be that. And it's also going to be the tradition-rich offensive tackle class that all the schools hate Notre Dame for. I have some friends that follow other schools that get really mad. They're like, why does Notre Dame get all these offensive linemen? And that's why Notre Dame wins. They win in the trenches. Hopefully, though, they can complete the need defensive line and all that to make it a top five class. Uh, the barometer for me is very simple. Can you recruit the way Georgia does and Alabama does in the trenches on the other side? In Alabama and those schools, they have advantages with locations. But Notre Dame's close there. They need to find a way to get one of these guys they never get. That's that's how I look at it. So if they do that, they can have a top five class, and it should be their best class since Marcus has been there. So they did just lose a guy on the defensive line, four-star edge rusher, C.J. May. Simply put, how big of a blow was that? He's a good player. Um, I, I know the high school he's at. I live in Alabama now. And, like, that town, I went to, like, Ja'Kayla Falk is there, committed to Auburn. His brother is at Auburn. When I visited them a couple of years ago, I said, what do you guys do around here? There's nothing there. There's nothing. <laughs> if he said, if nothing else, we go ride a bull. And I said, what? So like they those kind of things, oh, yeah, I'm like, uh, when you do that, you send me the video because I want to <laughs> see this, but like, it's just not a fit And the kid. Like most kids wants to take visits. I went to the Auburn, Alabama game this year, the iron bowl and there was CJ right behind me in the, in the stands. I'm like, yeah, this probably isn't going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, 
that's Marcus has a totally different view of recruiting than like anybody else. I know like the whole visit, don't visit thing. If you're committed kids in the South in particular, like a lot of these small town kids, they're going to take visits because they're not that world. They're going to do it. Come hell, come high water. Yeah. So it's, it's different. Um, Marcus lost a player, but like they're in on Shanklin. Yeah. If you haven't seen Damian Shanklin and you're a Notre Dame fan, you want to see some film. Holy moly. And he's from Warren Central. I'm from that area of Indiana. Like I grew up just down the road from there. Yeah, I always had players, but this kid could play inside linebacker, outside linebacker, edge, whatever. I think he's an NFL player. He kind of changes your class. By the way, that point I made earlier about getting that D lineman that you don't normally get, it's usually an out-of-state kid. Shakelin's in Indianapolis. You have to get that kid. You cannot miss on that guy. He could be the best player in this class by the time it's all said and done. I think he's an NFL edge rusher at some point. So maybe that'll be their key in the class of 25. You beat me to it. That was honestly the next question I had. I was going to ask you to compare Shanklin because Notre Dame's in the running for him. Now they're going to have to battle because even though he's a hometown kid or at least close to it, um, Ohio State's in on him. But you think he could be the best player in the class. If you were to compare him to some other great defensive linemen to come through Notre Dame, uh, or maybe not just defensive linemen, but maybe players at the rover position, Viper, things like that, what's his closest comp? Uh, I'll give you a couple that Notre Dame fans from from my age group, I'm 50, that would have a similarity with Rocky Boyman and Justin Tuck were both kids that came out of high school playing multiple positions. Um, one of the reasons Bob Davey went after Tuck is he went to see him play a basketball game. And he liked how he moved his feet and was physical, could move laterally. Well, Shanklin does all those things too. Same with Rocky Boyman, who when he came out of St. X in Cincinnati, he played some running back. They moved him to linebacker because he could move his feet and he was a physical kid. That fits Shanklin to a T. Now, I'm not saying he's going to have tuck success in the NFL with the Giants. Be a Super Bowl MVP. By the way, Justin, hope all is well, man. You're a great guy. But the point is still the same. If you have that kind of size, he's 220 plus, maybe he's 230, whatever he is, and you can move laterally like that in a two-point stance, three-point stance, breakdown, change direction, sky's the limit. It's everything. I'm not saying you got to be Allen Iverson laterally. He's about the most shaky guy of all time in any sport. But at 230 or whatever, getting up to 240 when he when he gets to Notre Dame, he could be a guy that has a little bit of an impact. They've got a ton of defensive ends, but who's the dude? Like Notre Dame, they need somebody to like take that next step. Maybe Shanklin's the guy that can do that at some point. They need somebody to step up and be just a man child. When Tuck was on the field at Notre Dame, I know that's before your time, but like everybody knew where he lined up. That was not friendly for the offensive tackle for the other team. That's what they need. They need a guy like that. Yeah, when Tuck was at Notre Dame, that was like right when I was beginning to become an obsessed Notre Dame fan in that 2004 season. I think he set the sack record that's now been broken by Foskey. But um, yeah, a big what if that me and my friend were just talking about is what if he had stayed for a senior oh, season and been back in 2005? Like that season could have gone. Yeah, that they season could have gone completely differently. Um, on the offensive side, I'm really excited about the commitment of four-star offensive tackle Owen Strabig. He's massive. I think anyone who's ever seen him, just a picture of him, they're like, oh my God, that kid is huge. He's also from a state in Wisconsin that seems to produce elite offensive linemen every <laughs> single year. And now he's headed to Notre Dame. What do you think of his potential? He is a really, really talented kid now, but I don't even think he's come close to what he can be. Now there's a couple paths he can take. If you think about a certain offensive tackle that played left at Notre Dame, but now plays, I think he's playing right for the Niners. That's the guy I would kind of look at. Um, if you think about six, eight guys 
you worry about them getting too big for the speed rushers. They get under them, et cetera. I think he might be a right tackle because I think street big is at least six, seven, at least uh, six, eight guys. You get into that range, six, nine, it's hard. Jonathan Ogden's kind of the example that's most rare. He was the greatest knee bender ever, but outside of guys like that, I kind of, I'm kind of worried about it, but he might be three thirty and just be the mauler right tackle. And I'm cool with that because he can get out in space. If you watch his film, he'll go out on a screen or hit a kid, Poor kid has family in the stands and just watch him get <laughs> smashed. High school football in Wisconsin is not good. So when you get a guy like Strebig, it's just like, this is comical. But he'll go to, and take on a second guy in the play, showing hustle, showing desire. And he gets out there in space. You're like, okay, this is a guy that could at least be a role player off the bench at a small D1 school in basketball if he took it seriously. You know what I mean? He's an athlete. He's not just a big, burly guy. Notre Dame can do well with those. McGlinchey's the guy I was referencing earlier with the Niners. They kind of remind me, it's similar. Strebig's a little ahead of where McGlinchey was at this point, but the frames are almost identical. You can never have enough guys like that because offensive line is just so many busts. There are so many guys, you know, I go to Georgia, Alabama, and they just suck. And every school in the country offered them, Notre Dame, and it's just random. It's the hardest position to kind of figure out. So as many of these Big guys like that, they could move. You can get some more bullets in the gun to, to get the guys you need in the starting lineup. Yeah, I'll admit, when I watch high school offensive linemen, especially ones who are anywhere close to stray big size, it's really hard for me to truly evaluate because I'm like, okay, they're dominating, but is that player that right. they're dominating, is that just some kid who's you know going to be in a fraternity here in a couple months or someone who's actually going to be competing uh in in college football so it's pretty difficult but stray big he's so big and he can move so i think it's really exciting and you like him at tackle i know some people think maybe he could play guard but i think he's just too big i don't like six eight guys yeah he's at least six seven and he may get i mean he may get taller before he's done in high school do you really want a six eight guard yeah you know I what know. i mean like like the, that six one guy that goes to louisville or purdue or whatever it's going to be underneath his pads all day. Let's not do that. I agree with you. Um, I mentioned Elijah Burris at the top, the son of former NFL star Plaxico Burris. I think everyone who's follow, who, everyone who follows Notre Dame has picked up on the trend here. Marcus Freeman's pitch to the sons of former NFL players works, and getting those guys has become a priority. Elijah's just one example. You've got Jordan Clark, his dad, Ryan Clark, played for the Steelers for a bunch of years, Kennedy Erlacher, Bryce Young, Ivan Taylor, Joe All, Howard Cross. I could keep going here, but you get my point. All of their dads were great players in the NFL, and they ended up with Notre Dame. What do you make of this strategy by Freeman? There's a couple of parts. It's on both sides of the ledger. Let's, let's be honest. Money plays a factor here. A lot of these kids that go to school X from wherever, like where I live, Alabama, I've lived in Florida and Louisiana and all over, they're just looking for the easiest path to the NFL because their family doesn't have cash. If you are Howard Cross, you've already figured that part out. Now you just want your kid to get the best education. So that degree value for Notre Dame means more because they already got money. Right. It's just true. And that doesn't hold the same water in the SEC. Like I hear people, they're Notre Dame fans say, well, why don't the degree? They don't care about the Notre Dame degree that much. A lot of these kids, they don't. Because they don't yeah, plan to even it. get it. They want to play three years. They care less about the degree. It's right. just true. So that's one part. And then the other is, I think, if you look at Freeman's recruiting strategy on the Notre Dame side, he wants a community commitment. Guys that made it to the NFL, when they come, they're going to obviously come to practice and see their kids. You want those kind of guys at your practice. If Cross calls and he says, Marcus, I'm going to stop by today. What's he going to say? No. You know what I mean? Like you want NFL greats that have Super Bowl rings walking on your sidelines. 
and it kind of helps build the culture. And Notre Dame's recruiting, like once you're committed, you don't take official visits, you decommit. It's a different deal. I don't agree with all of it, but he wants a certain brand. And those guys are more likely to be there. They're going to be committed to Notre Dame more than they are to the game and getting to the NFL. And he's trying to mix the two. Like Burris isn't a finished product, but like athletically and his wingspan and all that, I'm not saying he's going to be his dad. Like his dad was a condor. He was an elite, elite recruit coming out of a deep run high school or something like that in Virginia. But he's still athletic. He's a big kid. He's getting bigger. And he got the pedigree. And his mom's a warrior and all that. I mean, it's the perfect blend. You got to take those kids. So I think it's an interesting strategy and it's working for Notre Dame. So why would you change? Right. And to your point about Notre Dame's messaging, like the four for 40 message is going to hit home with someone who's actually seen the other side of a professional athletic career. Like you can sell it to any parent and it sounds great. And the idea of making money 40 years from now is awesome. But for a professional athlete who reached the top of their sport and then has since left the game and realizes what life is like after it, all of a sudden that message becomes a lot more important and it resonates with them a little bit more. So I think it makes perfect sense there. But for Elijah, I I think it was a little bit surprising because like we know who his dad is, but his uh, recruitment, it was kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Then Notre Dame hires Mike Brown to replace Chancey Stuckey. Brown immediately made Burris a priority and was able to eventually land him. You look at his offer list, one of those things is not like the other in Notre Dame compared to the other schools that were after him. So do you think Burris could be a diamond in the rough? Like, what do you think about his game is so enticing to Mike Brown? I think it's the wingspan, you know, like his frame. He's not anywhere near field out yet. When Plax was coming out, he was thin as a rail too. Uh, ended up at Michigan State and they had some pretty good receivers in front of him, but he got on the field real quick, like real quick. Guys that are good, just they figure it out. He was raw. He played special teams. He did whatever he could. And then by the end of his sophomore year, like, okay, this is dumb. I'm not saying his kid is going to be like yeah. Plax, but at the same time, even if he's only 6'3, I think Plax was probably 6'6. That obviously yeah, he, he was a big dude. The fact that you said he was real thin is kind of surprising because I'm thinking of NFL version of him, and he had to be at least yeah. like 230. He was like 180, 190 coming out of high school, but he ended up being over 200 pounds and he grew into his body. I'm guessing his kid's going to do a little bit of the same. He's going to be a 6'3", 6'4", kid. He's already got the long arms like his father did, and he's a catch point guy. What do do I mean by that? Even if there's a guy right under his chin strap, he makes plays. It's kind of hard to define, but certain players just make a catch when it's a good defensive play too. And sometimes the DB is the better player on a play. That doesn't mean you don't get the completion. He makes those catches – and his route running still has a ways to go, and he's still not filled out and all that. But you have something to work with there, and you're already seeing him without being a finished product making big plays in New Jersey. It's good high school football. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a good combination. And again, if his dad's working with him, I'm guessing he's going to get a little bit better. His dad knew a thing or two about catching big balls. We'll be right back with Brian with more insight into Notre Dame recruiting, but I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Speaking from my own experience, I know that whenever we're looking to make a new hire, we use LinkedIn to help find the perfect new team member, and it's so easy because they do the heavy lifting. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They've got a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to 
hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why owners rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Even though Notre Dame has a lot of guys already committed, Burris is actually the first wide receiver in this class. The Irish are in the running for Derek Meadows, though, the four-star out of football powerhouse Bishop Gorman, and he has exploded on the scene as of late. Notre Dame was in on him, in on him early, and now everyone wants a piece of him. How do you like Notre Dame's chances with Meadows? I talked to him a few weeks ago at the Battle of Miami tournament down in South Florida. A really well-spoken kid, fits Notre Dame to a T. Uh, size-wise, he's almost eye to eye with plaques. Like he's six, five, at least he is humongous and he's put together. Uh, he dominated there. He's jumping over guys. I got a picture of him where his waist is over the guy's head. Um, he's, he's a very special player, but he's, he's a raw route runner. He's a guy that's learning the game, but very competitive has top end speed at six, five, six, six. Notre Dame is right there. Tennessee's kind of the school I'd watch for. He wants to visit there. I mean, their offense would be tailor made for a guy like him. Obviously it's very, wide receiver friendly, but at the same time, Notre Dame is probably the best bet. I just don't know if he's going to make a decision in the timeline. This is where I get a little iffy with what Freeman and them do. Sometimes you got to wait on a guy, even when you want to go grit your teeth. He is a very high end guy. Is he finished product? No, but he has a chance to be an NFL guy. I wouldn't have said that if I hadn't seen him live. You got to see him live to understand it. High school film will not do it. Justin, you got to see him against the beat players. He's playing in Nevada. That's there's not a lot of that, but he is a dude. If they can get him, I don't care if it's November, they got to wait for his scholarship. I don't know if they'll do that. And I don't know how long his timeline is going to be. So this is a very interesting recruitment, a little bit of a litmus test, to be honest with you. Yeah, I see your point. I think like now with all these other all these other schools after him, exactly. Notre Dame is going to really have to fight for him. And this fight could last quite some time. I mean, it's only February and Notre Dame already has 15 guys. Like I mentioned, There's there could be a few more on the way. Who do you think are the... Uh, top uncommitted prospects left on Notre Dame's board? Um, I mean, for me, it, one of them would be Derek Meadows. Um, Damian Shanklin's probably the top guy, period, because, they, again, as I stated earlier, finding weak side pass rushers, that pure twitchy, I'm just going to run by you guy, is what Notre Dame stinks at. They never get that guy out of high school. It's just rare for whatever reason. They always got to move linebackers there, et cetera. If they can get Shanklin, especially since he's from Warren Central on the edge of Indianapolis, you should get him. After that, I think the biggest name for me is Dallas Golden, the corner from Berkeley Prep, uh, the same high school as a certain kid I won't mention who signed with Alabama, made, made a lot of Notre Dame fans very angry two cycles ago. But Dallas is probably going to end up at Notre Dame. Uh, that's what it looks like. He's a pretty good kid. Uh, Keon Keeley actually mentioned him to me when I went to see him a couple of years ago. He's like, he's the next guy here, and he was right. Uh, they're probably going to get Zachary, the kid from Ben Davis. He's really good too. But I think Dallas Golden and Shanklin are the, the guys for me. They're at corner and DN. Those are premium positions. They have premium length, and they're just super athletic. They can be guys that can play early for the Irish. If they land Golden, I just have one request. Let him play both ways because he is so fun to watch mm-hmm. with the ball in his hand. I, I doubt it'll happen. I don't think uh, – that's really what Marcus Freeman wants to do. And I'm not saying you got to play him every snap on both sides of the ball like Colorado does with Travis Hunter, but I would just well, love to different. see him. Yeah. I would just love to see him get the ball a little bit because he uh, is one of their primary ball ca- ball carriers and he is just terrific. But there's also been some movement on the coaching staff since we last spoke. Notre Dame lost uh, 
their safeties coach, Chris O'Leary. He's off to the NFL to join the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and it seems like Mike Mickens is going to take over the entire defensive backfield now. He was already coaching the quarterbacks. Now he's going to have a hand in the safeties as well. What impact do you think that those two moves are going to have on recruiting? Well, it, it's really interesting. O'Leary's not a recruiter. He's not. He's a, he's a high-energy guy, but he just wasn't that successful at it. But he's one hell of a coach. He's better fit to go ahead and go to the end. He just is. That sucks for Notre Dame, though, because now they're starting to get the, the talent that you want. And Marcus and all everybody was helping him recruit. But at the same time, you know, he I get it. After you've had some success and going to coach for the Chargers would be a lot of fun for me, too. I get it. <laughs> Being in L.A. is probably a little more fun than South Bend, too. That stated, Mickens is a tremendous corner coach. He's a tremendous recruiter. He's trying to prove himself. I'm assuming he wants to be a head coach one day. This is another stepping stone towards getting there. And it's a big responsibility. I'm sure there's going to be other people help because you got so many yeah. analysts, GAs, et cetera. I don't know how they'll do that. That'll be probably one of the questions that everybody, Priester and all the guys ask at spring ball. Hey, how are you going to do this? Are you going to divvy it up any specific way? Are you going to work more with safeties or corners? But Mickens is proven. I mean, that guy has done so much with guys that were just okay or not even recruited at all, like Sauce Gardner. Nobody wanted him. He was from Detroit, Michigan. Michigan State didn't even offer him. Kind of worked out. So he's a great evaluator of talent. I'll lean on his expertise because he's proven it. And until then, we just got to have to kind of wait to see the details. I am curious about it. Yeah, it's unfortunate to lose Chris O'Leary, but on one hand, if this allows Mike Mickens to stay at Notre Dame a little bit longer to prove his worth, uh, coaching more than just one position on the field, I think it could go a long way. Oh, sure. Since we're on the topic of assistance, Notre Dame almost lost their director of recruiting, Chad Bowden, to Michigan. The Wolverines made a real strong run at him, but Notre Dame was able to keep him around. It looks like he got a nice raise and a promotion out of it. Well-deserved. I think a lot of fans know who Chad Bowden is because – He's hard to miss, quite frankly, and he brings so much energy to everything he does. He's always around the recruits when they're on campus. But how would you describe the value he brings to Notre Dame's recruiting operation as a whole? I don't have any idea what Chad makes. Okay, they're a private mm -hmm. school. They lie about all that yeah, stuff or hide course. it. It's all Stanford. Everybody does. Conservatively, he's worth $5 million a year because without uh, him, there's certain kids they wouldn't get that change whether you make the college football playoff or not. And I'm guessing you've been in the Notre Dame bookstore. That place is pretty expensive. The reason it's expensive is those guys that win games that he gets. It's all interconnected. So he's the pivotal guy. He is the most important guy, not named Marcus Freeman, in that building. As goofy as that sounds, in today's world, with the portal and with all the kids that commit early and with Notre Dame's wacky transfer rules, don't get me started on that. That's a topic that I would probably go off on and get in trouble and then, of course, just the kids decommitting and all that. He's the guy that's the in-between on both sides of the ball, special teams and everything, recruiting everywhere. I don't know if he has a social life. He makes good money. I don't know if he has any time to spend it. But Bowden is one of the most respected guys that I know. Like, I'm going to Under Armour Atlanta this weekend. I'll see all the usual suspects, Tom Loy and Chad Simmons and, and John Garcia Jr., all the normal guys. Everybody knows who he is. There's a reason. He's very successful at it. If Notre Dame lost him, it would be a death knoll in recruiting. Cannot happen. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that Michigan pursued him so heavily kind of shows you the value that he has, that one of Sharon Moore's first moves, or at least attempted moves since True. he was promoted to the head coach, was to go after him. So I thought that was pretty telling. But, wow, I mean, $5 million is a lot, and I, I hear your point. Could you get into – 
you know, I, I don't, I'm sure you don't know like his day-to-day schedule, but some of his responsibilities, is he more involved with like the scouting and the evaluation or is it like, okay, Notre Dame has decided they want to pursue this prospect and then Chad Bone leads the way. Could you just give us a glimpse into his primary responsibilities and roles? Well, he, he does a lot of different things. Like he'll be on the road in Cincinnati. Obviously he's familiar with it because he was there at one point, but he doesn't just do the communication part as the lead man. He'll be the guy on campus that does campus tours. He'll check out stuff with academics. Obviously, Notre Dame actually makes the kids go to class, unlike some schools do. And he's that liaison to all the things. How much of the film is the one I'm not sure? I've never asked anybody, mm-hmm. but that would be curious. I'm sure he has his own opinions. But every I, I can tell you this much, and it has nothing to do with Notre Dame. Every coach thinks they know more than the next guy about evaluations. It does not matter the school, the time, the year. It's That's always the same. But I'm sure he has his opinions, too. And Marcus trusts him. So if he sees a kid that, you know, they didn't know about, I'm guessing his input is very valuable to Marcus Freeman, which obviously matters because he's the one that says yes or no on scholarships. So that's the only one I don't know about. But he is the liaison with anything that's communication. I, In a way, you could call him Notre Dame's communications manager because every recruit knows it. Name an interview, and there's a really good chance that interview mentions the coach that's recruiting him, Marcus, and then Chad. Those are the three things that you're kind of constant. In any interview, it doesn't matter which network you read about a Notre Dame recruit. Those are the guys. It's incredible how many people he's involved with. It is crazy. And you're right. Every time you hear from a recruit after they visit the campus, they talk about how much time they spent with Chad and then the assistant coach that for their position. Like he is just involved with every single prospect. And it's a big reason why Notre Dame has been so successful under Freeman. All right, last question before we let you go. It's a big picture one. With all the coaching movement that's been going on this offseason, a lot of it has been wild. You're seeing head coaches leave for coordinator positions. And then there's a lot of college assistants who are leaving to take a job in the NFL or even a head coach, as is the case with Jeff Halfley. A lot of times these coaches bring up NIL, recruiting, the transfer portal, all is the reasons why they're leaving. But to be honest with you, I've always felt like the lifestyle for an NFL coach was better than a college one because it was more structured and they don't have to recruit. So with all this movement happening, do you think we're going to see more college coaches leave or is that a little bit overblown? There's two parts to that. They brought this up the other day on the Cover 3 podcast that I listen to all the time. For you to get hired, there has to be a position open. It's math. No opening, no job for you, no job offer. NFL coaches that still want to coach, they don't want to go to college. You know, you talk about recruiting, they hit NIL 10 times more than recruiting. Trust me, NIL is like saying something that very mean to somebody's mother. They hate it because it causes them to lose kids that they recruited for years. Somebody just comes along and offers more money. So that's the other thing. Like free agency is just part of pro it's more accepted. A lot of the coaches do not like the professional aspect that college is going to, and they're, they're doing everything they can to leave. So it's not the number. I think it's the quality. The guys that leave, if you did a study like SEC Big Ten over the next two years, who leaves? Like the Michigan coaches that just went to L.A. with Jim, those are some darn good coaches. There is no way in hell Michigan is replacing that entire defensive staff. There's no way. Right. I don't care what Sharon does. That's hard. A lot of the reason they left is what I just said. Not, I mean, they won a title. That's great. They deserve that. But it's going to be hard for college football. The coaching is going to go down unless they change the rules, which it looks like it's going in the wrong direction. The more freedom these players get with money and stuff, the worse the coaching is going to get in college. 
Okay, there's a lot more meat left on that bone, but we are going to have to save it for another time because we have run out of time. You can find Brian on basically all of our college shows here at Locked On. He is <laughs> our lead recruiting insider and a regular guest on this show. Um, you can also follow him on X at FBScout underscore Florida. This has been great as always, man. You know, I always appreciate the time. We'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins, but you can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com. So just locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. A lot more to get into on the show this week. Going to talk about Al Golden's contract extension, Sean Terry's commitment, and potentially the commitment of Maddie Augustine as well. So be on the lookout for that. Also, give us a follow on X at Lockdown Irish on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod and my personal X account at Tyler W O J C I A K. I'll see you guys. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.